0: This week on the Iowa Watch Connection.
1: I never dreamed of serving as long as I did, but I never thought I would ever be in the majority. Political battles are hard fought. Someone that believed that the Republicans could only gain prominence by being much more divisive with the Democrats. Finding common ground can be difficult. Everything was to go forward and he would win some battles, Reagan would win other battles, but they always had
0: a resolution a conversation with an Iowa political legend, our topic this week.
2: The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein.
0: For 30 years, Jim Leach represented Iowa in Congress while living in Davenport, and when his congressional district was realigned, in Iowa City. He's been out of office now since the start of 2007, carving a distinguished career in academia and the humanities. With all of the talk about a divided country and a fractured political system that frustrates many Americans, we decided to check in with Leach for some of his thoughts. Leach, a conservative Republican, built a reputation while in Congress for his intellect but also congeniality. His willingness to work with Democrats on some issues rankled Republicans, especially those with whom he sparred, like Newt Gingrich. Iowa Watch Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller sat down with Leach for an extended interview for this program. I'm working at my desk,
3: and someone shows up at the door with a file folder. Inside are clips of old newspaper stories I wrote while in college. Near the top of this stack of clips is a story I wrote on election night 1980. It's about Jim Leach winning his third term as a Republican congressman from Iowa. The story got me thinking, what does Leach think of modern day politics, especially in Congress? And how does it compare with when he served in the U.S. House from 1977 until 2007, 30 years before Dave Vlopsack defeated him in the 2006 election? Leach is at the University of Iowa these days where he holds a chair in public affairs as a visiting professor of law and senior scholar and as a visiting professor of political science. He has deep experience in international finance, Asian and Pacific affairs, China. He loves the arts, having served as chairman of the National Endowment for the Humanities in Barack Obama's administration and making sports analogies when it comes to politics. I caught up with him at his University of Iowa office in Schaefer Hall where the political science department exists. First of all what's changed in your view as far as the interest you had in public service back then in Congress and what people are dealing with now when they make a decision to run for Congress?
1: Well, a lot has changed and uh, that race was in 1980. Uh, and I might say it's in a way symbolic of what the question you're asking. Uh, the opponent was a, a young lawyer here in Iowa City named Jim LaRue, terrific young man. Uh, uh, and we ran a uh, what I considered to be a very civilized race. Uh, I frankly truly respected him, his father-in-law was a member of the religion department here. Uh, His uh, uh, background was uh, sure quality and uh, uh, it was a a, a vigorous race. About that time things did begin to change and uh, not having to do with this particular race but uh, when I came into the Congress in 19... after the 1976 election uh, the Democratic Party was dominant, had been dominant in Congress for quite a while uh, in fact, uh, I never dreamed of serving as long as I did, uh, uh, but I never thought I would ever be in the majority <laughs> as a party. And I served uh, 18 years under Democratic leadership and 12 years under Republican. Uh, 1980 was a little bit of a break year because things started to get uh, stickier, and part of it was symbolized by the election of one member of Congress in the prior election and this was Newt Gingrich of Georgia. Newt is a, was and is, a very smart uh, individual and a very smart tactician uh, and also uh, someone that uh, believed that the Republicans could only gain prominence by being much more divisive with the Democrats and so he inaugurated a program as a young member to uh, present a much stickier set of feelings within the congress uh, with a, attacks that I thought were uh, of the majority party were uh, uh, maybe a bit exaggerated and I'm understating the word maybe uh, and my view was that I came in as a classic moderate republican in the traditions of uh, Eisenhower, Bob Ray, that sort of thing and I always felt that uh, in the minority My obligation was to present uh, constructive alternatives to democratic offerings, but if democratic offerings as the controllers of the House uh, made sense, not to be afraid to vote for them uh, and to try to modify them if that was uh, reasonable. Uh, And so I would have a whole series of votes that were uh, uh, against democratic measures and some votes that were for them. Uh, And I would try to play a role that would be contributive rather than uh, divisive. Uh, But as time went on in the 80s and uh, Ronald Reagan became president today, he looks like a unifying figure. At the time, many in the political process thought he was more uh, divisive than otherwise. Uh, In retrospect, uh, uh, he looks like quite a credible president. Uh, at the time, he was under the gun. A little bit like uh, John F. Kennedy was under the gun as president. With his death, he became uh, quite a martyr and, and, and looked at in a very different, uh, more enlightened way. Uh, and the same is kind of the case with Ronald Reagan. And uh, one aspect of, of Reagan's presidency that uh, many people have missed is that uh, he had a, a contrasting... Uh, uh, figure in the House, who was Tip O'Neill, who was the Speaker of the House, and Tip was a a classic uh, liberal Democrat, but uh, I always found him to be totally honest, and he had a position that he would argue for liberal causes, but never was there an argument for uh, bringing the system down. That is, dysfunctionality was not a term used. And everything was to go forward, and he would win some battles, Reagan would win other battles. But they always had a resolution.
3: A lot of political battles happened over the years. While Leach was in Congress, Iran-Contra, a savings and loan crisis, 9-11, the Whitewater scandal, during which he was highly critical of President Clinton, the Persian Gulf War, and war with Iraq, which he voted against. But also, the tone seemed to be changing in Congress, and Leach was taking notice.
1: A Speaker of the House, for example, who, uh, in this case, uh, Jim Wright of Texas, who had uh, published a book uh, that maybe utilized some uh, uh, aides help from Congress. Uh, well, uh, there was a jumping on him as if this was quite a legal sin and yet uh, later when in power uh, uh, one of the people who attacked him the same way became speaker and did the same thing. (laughs) And so you have uh, uh, issues that get exaggerated and issues that uh, don't get quite enough attention or depth of of attention. Um, There are real uh, errors that Congress makes, as well as quite successful things that it does. Uh, And for example, in the 80s, uh, we had a savings and loan uh, debacle, and it was, in my view, directly tied to certain acts of Congress that uh, a Congressional Committee of Jurisdiction got too tied to an industry, and then Put constraints on how the industry was regulated, uh, and in effect, uh, allowing the industry to do things that were imprudent. Uh, and so many SNLs in the country went under, and the uh, uh, funds for protecting uh, uh, depositors weren't there. And so Congress had to bail out the. Uh, fund uh, for uh, hundreds of millions of dollars and that is the kind of thing that I think one can make an honest difference of of judgment on, Uh, but when things get real personal it's awkward uh, of what can and cannot be said. Did the personal
3: attacks work because people just like hearing them? What's going on there? There's
1: there's a personalization of all of politics. uh, you, have a, uh, you think about candidates for president. Ronald Reagan was a imposing physical figure. Uh, uh, there are other people that get typed in ways that uh, might be less attractive. Uh, and uh, the only true place for honest exaggeration uh, in the news media, and it's often overlooked, is cartooning. Uh, and partly because it's a use of humor, Uh, and partly because exaggeration can reveal uh, uh, truths of character, or truths on an issue, uh, with everybody understanding it's not intended to be precise. Uh, But uh, when you get into uh, personal aspersions about people, it it can be uh, quite ugly. And uh, I have seen a a number on the House floor that are really bizarre. I remember once a a member of the United States Congress, in an argument with another member, which was a fair argument, on an issue suddenly said uh, to that person directly, the only reason you're for that is because you, sir, are gay. Well, he outed a member of Congress absolutely outrageous to make a claim uh, that may or may not have been valid but had no relevance whatsoever to the discussion and in my view was one of the lowest moments of the House of Representatives.
3: There's this question I guess that you would have to face and that is if the people want to hear this should we still act in this way or talk this way because it seems like some of the political conversation that goes on today is, makes for good entertainment, and people enjoy listening to it. It apparently is working. So is that a bad thing?
1: Well, it's not a good thing, uh, if if it uh, is not true. Uh, Is it, for example, a hoax that the Democrats pulled in having Dr. Ford testify in the United States Congress Or is it a hoax to call it a hoax? And uh, you get into some very interesting vocabulary of of words that are credible, but are they credibly used? Uh, And I'm just astonished at at what a game this has become.
0: When we come back, more of Lyle Muller's extended conversation with former Iowa Congressman Jim Leach That's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues.
2: The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism an independent, non-profit, non-partisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at IowaWatch.org.
0: Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. Since leaving Congress in January 2007, Jim Leach has been a professor at Princeton University, interim director at the Harvard University's John F. Kennedy School of Government, and a visiting professor at the University of Iowa. As our interview with him continues, Leach talks about other times of great political tension in the United States.
1: Well, there are always precedents for everything. first significant precedent was around the year 1800 when Thomas Jefferson was running for president against John Adams, two great founders. And Thomas Jefferson hired a journalist named James T. Callender uh, to describe John Adams as a hermaphrodite. I had to go to the dictionary to try to figure out what that meant, but it's not a positive term. And it caused John Adams to cease all communications with Jefferson for over a decade. And then uh, another founder, a doctor from Philadelphia named Benjamin Rush, communicated with both and asked them if they would start writing each other, which they did, and formed a kind of a correspondence, it's now a historical record. Uh, But after they were both, after both had served.
3: It seems that a lot of people want to say this is a terrible time, the worst time in American history.
1: Actually, for sure, uh, and I I say with certitude, uh, the 1850s were worse, but they were worse (coughs) for good reason. Uh, The issue was slavery, and that is an issue that is huge. Uh, And so to have intemperate uh, discussion uh, was uh, the norm, Uh, and it's no accident, for example, in uh, uh, the middle of the 1850s, uh, a senator from Massachusetts who was for uh, ending slavery called a fellow senator a, quote, pimp, unquote. Uh, for slavery. And because this particular senator, uh, who was from South Carolina, was uh, a cripple, his nephew in the House of Representatives came over to stand in for him, and with a cane almost beat to death the senator that had offended his uncle. Well that's uh, kind of argumentative of of a new degree of of, uh, extreme, although there had been uh, duels in in American public life, Uh, a president, this is Andrew Jackson, was famous for his dueling uh, and was quite good at them, fortunately for him. Uh, And at least we no longer have duels.
3: Right. Aaron Burr and and Alexander
1: Hamilton. And that all came about because of a word uh, that Hamilton used against... uh, Uh, Aaron Burr. And Hamilton, who many of us believe, was the greatest Secretary of the Treasury, found himself facing a duel with the sitting Vice President of the United States. Uh, In the state of New Jersey, which technically uh, had legalized dueling, uh, was shot dead. And so, uh, uh, he uh, probably uh, regretted uh, if he could still think after being shot, th- that he called uh, uh, Aaron Burr despicable, and that was the cause of the duel.
3: I want to take you to the time of when you ran for Congress. What what was your expectation there about how civil the place would be?
1: Well, I had a rule for myself, and I never applied it to anybody else. It's what you. The people you run against can choose whatever method they want. Uh, But I uh, made a point of never uh, uh, saying anything that I would regret. Uh, In politics today, uh, both political parties have teams of people that advise their candidates and virtually all of them uh, suggest that the candidate be prepared to go, quote, negative. And in a way, uh, when I entered politics, I used to think that uh, there are a lot of analogies between politics and sports. They're both very competitive. They both you have to do a lot of preparation. Uh, there's an end result with a score. Uh, and then as time went on, I came to the conclusion that uh, basically sports has a much higher ethic than politics. Uh, after all, there are referees.
3: What's changed from then to now? What are some of the I, factors, I, I do think you think? it's
1: it's it's the game of uh, the competition, the ambition uh, of parties, of individuals that operate. Uh, winning is everything. And actually, winning is not everything. Uh, doing it the right way is everything.
3: Do you think you could function in today's Congress, as a member of Congress?
1: Could I function? Yes. Well, uh, if you say uh, effectively it would be very hard, uh, because I would not be going along with uh, too many of the policies of the current party. Uh, If you mean could I wake up every day and go to work, absolutely, Uh, but Uh, would I find it comfortable, or comforting, or uh, uh, necessarily appropriate, the answer might be no.
3: When you were voted out of office, you shared that, you said that was the best day of your life? Happiest day. Happiest day of your life.
1: Why? Well, because I'm looking back instantaneously, and I felt as if i kept with my commitment to myself. And that was that I would not have conflicts of interest of any nature, and not accept large sums of money in campaigns, or out-of-state money, and that I would uh, respect my opponents to the best of my ability. And frankly, I res- reflected more respect than a, one or two that I didn't exactly feel, but I felt it better to do that than otherwise so sometimes you go against your own feelings.
0: (laughs) Jim Leach, former Iowa congressman, speaking with Iowa Watch executive director and editor Lyle Muller in Iowa City on October 10th. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again, or a list of stations that carry the program, and more. iowawatch.org. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week.